Glad you could join us today. My name is Daniel Kavanaugh, and I'm here with my dad, Charles. This is Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We're in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And we are continuing in our four-week series on an Old Testament Christmas. When people listen to this, most likely it will either be Christmas Day or just after Christmas, because most people probably won't listen to it on Christmas. Not likely, uh, but a few might. <laughs> right, and uh, we are recording all these ahead of time because uh, I'll be out of town uh, for the holidays in California. Yeah, forsaking so, your family. That's right, with. that's right. So we're trying to get ahead of the game, but w- when people get this, it will be the week of Christmas. Um, but we talked about last week about the birth of the Sovereign, and we're going to continue in that. So it's almost like a two-part series within a... A whole series. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and this idea of the birth of the sovereign, um, and what we're looking at is the manger as we know it, yet from an Old Testament viewpoint in keeping with our Old Testament Christmas mm-hmm. uh, theme. Uh, we're looking at Isaiah 7, and we're looking at the virgin birth and the incarnation from the view of the prophet Isaiah, and what he saw, and what the people who read that would have saw. Um, and I'll be honest with you in doing this, it's been good for me because I feel like often when it comes to the, the nativity and the birth of Christ and the, everything that comes after, when we view it from a certain lens, we don't typically try to view it from a different viewpoint. It's always manger, right? you know, little boy in a manger. Yeah, with shepherds. Mary, and yeah, shepherds and wise men later. Which I didn't know that until I was older and it realized and I was like, oh, it just blew my mind away, right? Yeah. We weren't there, you know? No. <laughs> so That's not uh, the way that I was told it was. Right. So last week we looked at God the prime <clears throat> mover behind the Christmas reality, and then we also looked at the power behind Christmas reality. And now what we want to look at is the the next two points, which is the plan behind Christmas reality and then the proposition behind Christmas reality. So let's jump in here without further ado, the plan behind Christmas reality. As we look at Isaiah 7, what is Isaiah 7 laying out as far as that plan? Well, behold, the virgin will conceive and will bring forth a son. And you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that tells us something about the plan, that there was this was not just, as we often see, a cute event. It was a cosmic event. Hmm. Um, and so the first thing that just stands out because of the name that the Old Testament prophet gave is incarnation of Christmas. Right. You know, I don't know if we can <clears throat> grasp the the scope mm. of that word. You know, I, I I'll probably will on my blog this year as I do every year um, put this poem that I think is so so well expresses the incarnation. But in that first stanza, he says, A babe on the breast of a maiden he lies, yet sits with the Father on high in the skies. Before him their faces the seraphim hide, while Joseph stands waiting unscared by his side. This is the birth of a sovereign. This baby is the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. And uh, he is God incarnate. And uh, the, the plan was for God to invade humanity. Right. Even the Old Testament prophecies from Eve on don't give, you know, it, it's, it's bits and pieces until you get to Isaiah and, and Micah and others. But God's coming. That's, that's pretty incredible. 
when you think about incarnational reality. Um, I don't know, and I think about this because there's a side of when we tell this story or when we look at this story, whatever viewpoint you do, whether it's from the Old Testament or the New, I don't know if we can ever fully grasp the veracity of this truth, the all-encompassing magnitude, the if you The largeness will. of Yeah, the large, the yeah, bigness. Magnitude is a good word. You know, I mean, I, I don't... We, we try, in our minds and in our hearts, we try, and there is a sense of being overwhelmed. But I think in some ways that's, in some ways that's good because it, it, it sets Christ apart as yeah. God. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? As the one who we revere and adore because there is none like him. I, I think when we think back, R.C. Sproul in his book, The Holiness of God, uh, talks about, relates the instance when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples and they, they couldn't catch any fish. They were right. fishing on one side, and Jesus said, we'll fish on the other side. Right. And then yeah. Peter said, we fished all night. I mean, we think we are. We know what, we know what we're doing. Right. We're yeah. the fishermen. But, because you said do it, we'll do it. They drop on the other side, and they can't get the fish in the boat, and Peter falls and, and, and says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Uh, this is God. He, he suddenly realizes, <clears throat> this is... This ain't no regular. Right. This ain't no regular guy, you know. And so, and this, this, this is what we have in the manger here. Uh, the other part of the incarnation of Christmas is for Christ to show forth the Father. Well, I mean, those are similar. God had made humanity, but that happened as Christ Himself. He says, "If you see me, you've seen the Father." We're looking at God. <clears throat> the Ancient of Days is an hour too old. <laughs> mm. You know, that's an incredible thought. And then. For Christ to build his church. Now, this is more implied and, and comes later, but I mean, Christ came to, um, and I don't want to step on too many toes here, but and we had differences in how we view it, but to sit on the throne of his father, David. Mm hmm. And the Israel of God. Well, even be, if you believe it's futuristic or if it's now, <clears throat> he still came to do that. Yeah. I mean, I really, I really think we have yeah. to realize and that he does that. Right. And and uh, the church, which is the Israel of God, you know, the New Jerusalem described in Revelation is is powerful truth. So you think about this. We're just touching on some of the aspects of incarnation right. truth here, but think on these things. Uh, even if you know, if you're from another persuasion, eschatologically, you still can find oh, the sense the, of the overwhelming. Oh, all of that, yeah. Uh, magnitude. Oh, I keep using that word because magnitude really yeah. best <coughs> yeah. describes what we're trying to say. Yeah. So, so anyway, that's something of, of the incarnation of Christmas. But of course, for us who know Christ in a saving way, there is the salvation of Christmas. I mean, Christmas is really about Easter. <coughs> Christmas came so that Easter might come. Right. Um, Can't so have one without the resurrection. Right. There's incarnation. So that there'll be a resurrection. You know, it's interesting you <clears throat> talk about that because I'm reading a, a uh, Advent reading by um, John Piper, or I have been reading over the month of, of December. And it's interesting when I first read it, because I've read this book before, when I first read it, I was struck by the amount of non-Christmas things in my mind within the book. Mm -hmm. But then, now that I've read it more and more and more, I'm like, it is... 
Christmas. That yeah, we, is Christmas. It is. We yeah. tend to limit the salvation, scope of Christmas. Yeah. The death of Christ and the resurrection <clears throat> of Christ is as much a part of Christmas as the little boy in the manger. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, he doesn't. You don't want him to stay in the manger. The problem is, is that right. people are okay with him in the manger because yeah. a sweet little boy has no impact upon their life. Yeah, but that sweet little boy's a sovereign. Right, he's a sovereign. Uh, he's the ancient of days. He's an hour too old, but he is the savior. And it is interesting in the context of what Mary's visit from the angel that we have in Matthew that um, she, the, the the writer Matthew points us back to this passage. But he says that the angel led you to her. Uh, and you will call his name Jesus, very common Hebrew name. Of course, Joshua was the Old Testament form, Yeshua, deliverer. He was a deliverer for, of God's people. But Yeshua was not an unusual name. And that they, People thought in terms of this Messiah being right. a savior. They often thought of him being a political savior. Right. But, but he will save his people from their sins. Now there's the mm. crux of the matter. He didn't come to save us from Rome. He came to save us from something far worse, far greater than that. Well, it goes back to that, you know, what do we fear? That which can destroy the body or that which can destroy the soul? Right. And Rome can destroy the body. Yeah. But the evil one or our sin destroys the soul. Exactly. So when when we see the plan behind Christmas, certainly the, the incarnation was so that there would be salvation right the incarnation christ coming in flesh came so that he could die in the flesh a sinner's death and then be raised to walk so that we could walk in newness of life so so isaiah obviously is talking about the plan but then he he also gives us this proposition behind the christmas reality what is this proposition well i like the whole discussion about propositional truth Mm -hmm. um that truth, that's why people, by the way, that's why our culture rejects truth as an object, as an objective thing. Right. Because truth itself proposes things that must be addressed. Yeah, you cannot live alone. <clears throat> well, and I think it's interesting because if you study science, which is very much based on fact, there are theories in science, but there's a lot of things in science. You do this, this, one. Science is supposed to be based on observation. Right. right? <clears throat> and you have to deal with that. You have to deal with what, if you mix these two particles together, it will cause an right. issue. And you have to deal with that. And I think that's not translated over into Christianity. And what we call metaphysical truth. things. Right. Yeah. And, but people don't want, they, they want a doctor who believes in objective truth. Right. That somebody who will. Or go, a person who makes a car or a person yeah, who does whatever. anything that would want somebody who says, well, it doesn't matter what you put in there. I'll put whatever. Feel you want you put gas right. doesn't work that way, and but when it comes to metaphysical things, ideological things, spiritual things, eternal things, then we're talking about different. Yeah, not to harp on this too much, but I mean, you look at where we're at in our society and our culture. I think they're beginning to see, although they may not make the connection. I think they're beginning to experience what happens when you don't deal or you know handle these truths. You don't reconcile these truths. Right. And they want to try to figure out why we have all these broken families, why you have all the issues in the the more unwell-to-do places, you know, all these things that go on, all these research and all these, these you know, things that they put out. Well, this happens because of this. And what they fail to realize is they didn't deal with the truth in the first place. Therefore, they have these issues. Right. Yeah. 
And with that in mind, I'd like to, for us to leave a couple of things with our listeners when it comes to the proposition of Christmas, behind Christmas reality. One is to consider the truth of Christmas. Ah, well, you're talking to Christians here. You're preaching to the right. Of course you're going to consider the truth of Christmas. Well, it's interesting. In the passage in Luke, when Mary's speaking, she says, it, well, when it's talking about Mary, <clears throat> the writer Luke says, now Mary pondered these things in her heart. Mm. You know, Mary considered these things. I, I like to think it's similar to what Paul said in Colossians 3, um, set your affections on things above. Um, set your thinking, your mind, on things above. And she did. Now, we know that she thought about these things in terms of Old Testament Scripture because if you read what's called the Magnificat, right. <clears throat> she quotes certain aspects of, she didn't quote them directly, but she quotes them uh, she paraphrases some of the truths of Old Testament. I'd like to think, and I don't want to put words in her mouth, that she one of those was this um, Isaiah seven fourteen passage, but she's pondering the truths. Wow. Well, but you they would have been familiar with it because <clears throat> their parents taught them. Yeah, they would have known these things. Yeah. Now she's just told she's a virgin. She's conceiving because it's part of the so it's God's like things are You think about what that would be rolling in her right. mind. Now, having said that, let's take her example and let's ponder these things. Let's consider these things. Let's meditate on these things. Let's set our affections on these things. God, help us to be transformed as we consider these things. And then the second thing I would like for our listeners to take with them is to confess the truth of Christmas. In the, in the passage of the Jesus birth in Luke, and we talked about this last time, the shepherds are told and they go, but they don't just go and see and go, wow, cool, a right. king. You know, they, right, they, right. they did see, I think they actually saw right. in the sense that they understood something of the, of the magnitude, if we go back to that. But when they left, it says that uh, the shepherds uh, made these things widely known. Mm. That's interesting. They would have been a lot of places, a lot of villages, going around looking for places for their sheep to graze. And you're not going to believe what we saw. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is the confessional aspect of Christmas and the Incarnation. The, and there, here, herein lies, you know, the, the prophets talk about him being the consolation of Israel. Herein lies Consolation. When I say consolation, I don't just mean we're consoled for bad things that are happening to us. Right. But the one who brings peace and resolution, shalom, to the people of God. So this, this whole idea of the proposition of Christmas is that we are to personalize the Christmas reality. Oh, let's have a blast. I'm for having a good time. Well, we're going to have a good time. In fact, Lord willing, something doesn't invade our lives that we're not expecting. We're going to have a great time. And you guys are going to go and have a good time with your your in-laws, your wife's family. Thank the Lord. Right. But let's, as we do these things, these gifts that God's given us, let us embrace this proposition to consider and to confess for the glory of God. Of the sovereign. Well, and I, you and I talked about this probably at the beginning. I asked you the question, what is the application? This is the application. You said we'll talk about it in the end. <clears throat> We're at the end. This is the application. Yeah. Consider and confess. Yeah. Which I think is how you begin your Christian life, how you live your Christian life, and how you will end your Christian life, and how you'll spend eternity. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, actually, I want to invite our listeners, uh, whoever's out there listening, uh, to read the, the blog that will come out here maybe this week or next. Yeah. Maybe just maybe the first of next week, whenever we get it. But, uh, uh, and look at that poem by H.R. Bromley. It, is, it has become maybe my favorite poem, certainly one of my top five favorite poems. And it was in the syllabus of one of my syllabi uh, in a class I had in seminary. Mm -hmm. And it has become something I memorized and think upon during Christmas and encourage our folks to read it as well, but to consider these things. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but before we close, the next time we're talking to people, it will be the new year. That's right. So we want to say a Merry Christmas to our listeners. We thank you for being with us this this year and listening to all that the Lord has been speaking through His Word. We are most grateful. Absolutely. So, well, we do thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you next week. Crosstalk is a production of Vision for Living Ministries. This is a free resource, but if you would like to support us, you can do so by visiting visionforliving.org forward slash support. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website where you will find other resources, including our blog. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash V4L. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at visionforliving.org or send us a message on Facebook. Join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today 